Hi, I'm Devin. And I'm Darren. And this is 10 Minute Tabletop News, where we tell you the three biggest stories from Tabletop from the past week, under 10 minutes or less, so you can get back to stacking dice, creating characters, and playing the game. Darren, uh, how many Tabletop uh, indie games did you know in November? You know, not as many as I do now, that's for <laughs> sure. So uh, one of the biggest pieces of news uh, that we've seen come out, Polygon talked about this, is yeah. so many of these indie publishers, third-party publishers, had explosive Januaries. Mm -hmm. Sales records. Uh, I believe Goodman Games hadn't seen sales um, this good since 2003. Yeah, and then other games are saying that they sold what they would sell for the entire year in the matter of like a month, Exactly. Right? Um, so from Paizo to Green Ronin to Modivius all had huge surges in, in sales. Um, so the OGL, which was first accredited being very bad for the indie uh, game, has actually, the result of it, the fallout, has been really positive for uh, third-party pub third publishers. Yeah. Um, but what does this mean? Why is this, why is this important? Uh, you know, I do think it kind of gives this golden opportunities for these indie games to really get into the market and kind of spread that tabletop RPG yeah. goodness. I do think a lot of people's entry points still and will be for a long time D&D, &D, but mm -hmm. now they have this time to expand their brand awareness and give other people opportunities to play something else and have fun in other ways. Absolutely. And here's the thing. We were talking about this before we went live, but D&D, &D, there's, there's no game publisher that is close to D&D &D in right. size. Um, you know, I, I believe we were looking at, at the estimated revenue was somewhere almost $7 billion yeah. uh, for Wizards of the Coast. That's between Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. And that is everything from their IP, from what they license, to the actual game itself. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the, the next biggest publishers, they're not even close to $100 million uh, in, in annual sales. And, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, we, we want... Wizards of the Coast and D&D to do well because it is going to be the entry point and it is what's going to break through in terms of like mainstream brand awareness and getting people who don't necessarily play tabletop RPG. D&D is going to be the most friendliest. You can watch a million podcasts, a million shows, find about other people who play it. Like this is going to be your, the entry point. So they kind of well, need to figure that out. There's this, there's this level too because it's nostalgia, right? A lot of yeah. people know D&D because of nostalgia, but it, when does nostalgia no longer have the same effect it does now? And if you have companies like Critical role mm -hmm. that are you know probably one of the biggest content creators in the space if not yeah. the biggest um if they made their own system how would that fare i mean uh if you think about size of publishers and, and what reach they have uh critical role has um a multi-picture deal with uh right. amazon one of the largest streaming platforms out there um and they have their own publisher so could they actually achieve the same size as watsi I mean, I think if they created their own game, I actually do think that they would retain the viewership that they have and the loyalty that they have in their fans. Because yeah. I do think a lot of those people are showing up for the the group dynamic mm -hmm. and the people that they've invested so much time in. So I don't think it's necessarily tied to D&D. &D. It's more them. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but they could, they could give them a run for their money, to be honest. Uh, so I guess... We, I, in. You know, I don't think that this one event will be the thing that allows a third-party publisher to grow to the size of, of, of Wizards of the Coast. But I think this is one of the few big moments in, in gaming where 
smaller publishers have completely up leveled and had seen way larger market penetration than ever before. Yeah, I don't think it'll get to the same level as well. But again, I do think it is a good opportunity. I think we kind of talked, I likened it a little bit to when the start of Image Comics, right? Like Marvel and DC, they had a bunch of writers that were unhappy with how they're being treated at these companies. And they went and they started their own independent brand. And that brand is now flourishing. I mean, obviously, they don't have their own cinematic extended universes. But at the same time, wait, but uh, um, what is it? Uh, Walking Dead, the Walking Dead, that's one of the largest franchises in the world. And that was a comic book. True. Walking Dead, Invincible has its own show now. Saga is huge as a comic, yeah. and this was all started by people who were like, this is not working for us, and went and did their own thing, independent creators. So, and in, in, I think my big takeaway here is I think IP will be the biggest draw for gaming right. um, as things grow. I think when you, you have things like Marvel, you have things like Star Wars, these are really important IP, and if they can grow in the tabletop space, I think that will actually be the first time you see competition. But right now, mm. all tabletop games that are IP are being licensed from game publishers. Right. Um, so... I think you know you might see one day where one of these game publishers gets purchased by you know uh, you know a Disney or um, mm. you know uh, a Marvel comic. I, I I don't think that's unrealistic, and I think that yeah. would, that would actually become a major competitor for Wizards of the Coast. Oh yeah yeah yeah, I could totally see that. Uh, moving on to our next story, um, this is kind of a fun one. <laughs> Monster of the Week uh, is putting out their next Kickstarter. But this is the this is the first expansion to Monster Week. And Monster Week, it it is one of the most beloved games by mm. Evil Hat. Um, this new game system is taking the Monster Week from kind of the modern telling that it, it resides in, okay. and it's expanding it into multiple different settings. So it's kind of the oh. first setting guide. Okay. So do you want to run Monster Week in your fantasy setting? Oh. Do you want to run Monster Week in a sci-fi? I okay yeah I totally I really I'm really interested in that because a lot of the I would say when it comes to monster of the week a lot of the times you kind of revert to using like the same kind of uh, cultural references to describe it like Buffy the Vampire Slayer yep. Supernatural you're like it's like this but this it's like this but this but to actually see those mechanics branch out into other settings that's that's so really fun it's called the Codex of Worlds mm-hmm. um, it's uh, you can sign up right now but it's been announced um, but there's five new settings for it. In the original one, or I think in uh, Tomb of Mysteries, they have a gothic setting, um, mm-hmm. which is which is really fun, you know, because kind of has that like you know Jack the Ripper, Jekyll and Hyde, Frankenstein. There's a lot of Monster of the Week in gothic settings. Yeah, but I believe one of them is like prehistoric. Um, Dinosaurs. Yeah, you know. So, Let's go. Um, so I, 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 anything Monster of the Week does, I'm usually on auto buy. But yeah. I really like seeing that they're expanding their systems. Um, and I, I think it's also, you know, it's another sign that like this is the time to do it because, yeah, as we heard earlier, any games are popping off. I do think this. I I do think Monster of the Week always kind of benefits from like the context, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see the different playbooks, but given a little more context to kind of give players and you know people who are creating the worlds of these a little yeah. more a little stricter guidelines when they are going in these different directions, yeah. how to use their magic, how to use their different skills. So I do think that like context will only benefit it. And there's this kind of critique I've heard a lot is mm-hmm. um, uh, generic systems are hard because they don't have setting specific details. Yes. So there's a yeah. lot of like, That's a lot I mean. of like, you know, system agnostic or setting agnostic tabletop RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, it shows really growth in that game system if you're now releasing multi-setting books. Yeah. Um, and it's cool that they're doing all in one book rather than like, all right, here's our, you know, our-, our Chapter two yeah, coming right? out <laughs> next year. <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right, so excited for that. Yeah. Um, why is this important? This is one of the first big upgrades to a very beloved game. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we're going to see more setting updates for other games, like yeah. Blades in the Dark or other systems under Evil Hat. Um, as people are looking at games and they want to change the setting because they like the, the mechanics, but they want to see it in a different way to play. And as you said, if this is the time to maybe be shopping around getting acquired, building <laughs> out your settings, now would be the time. Um, <clears throat> our last story is Hasbro has a uh, has a, um, caught the eye of Bank of America a second time. Bank of America, we were talking about this earlier. <laughs> Why does Bank of America put out statements about about other companies and? In layman's um, terms, yeah. guys. <laughs> Basically, so, yeah. So it's like... Let's, let's, we'll read the news. Yeah. This, is what, this is what Bank of America had to say. Um, that Hazard stock as, uh, is now labeled as underperform, um, which could mean a potential downturn of 29%. Uh, Market Insider quotes mm-hmm. Bank of America saying, within the Wizards segment, Hasbro continues to destroy customer goodwill by trying to over-monetize its brands. They cite the OGL, of course, but they also turn their attention to Magic the Gathering. Apparently, too many, too many Magic the Gathering cards are being printed, mm-hmm. which assures immediate sales but devalues for third-party card market and clogs up stores with overstock that will collect dust in the long term. Yeah, basically saying they were prioritizing short-term short-term profits over long-time profits, long-time and loyalty. We talked about this the other week too about uh, some of the you know the yeah. missed earnings. Is Hasbro um, maybe not uh, having adjusted what they um, expect as far as demand because with COVID not being as uh, you know the main focus in our lives because we're not locked locked yeah. down. They saw a huge surge. Yeah. So. Um, uh, you know, adjusting for demand has, hasn't happened. And that apparently uh, Bank of America, which we found out, <laughs> Bank of America just puts out statements about hundreds of companies. Yeah. Apparently there's a bunch of financial analysts that will put out data-based commentary Who on knew? finances. We didn't know. We but, thought it was like a jaded X. We're like, <laughs> why is Bank of America making these comments? It just seemed like it's, like it's twice it's happened. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, if you ever look at like Robinhood, you'll notice that there's like yeah. buy, sell, hold that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's all collective data from analysts like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, et cetera. Um, but uh, is this kind of news that they're pushing out? It, or is Hasbro going to look at this and make decisions based off of it? Um, what's the outcome? And like I said, come March, we'll see the impact of the uh, OGL and people that were canceling their D&D Beyond subscription. I think the numbers are telling. They're going to have to with yeah. like the explode in sales with all their competitors and Bank of America coming for them yeah. another time. I, I don't really think Hasbro, I, I think, I don't think Hasbro is concerned with any current competitors. I think Hasbro's from uh, Kyle uh, Bank was, uh, you know, on Three Back Halflings and Ginny D and was talking about some of the reasons why they wanted to go with the OGL. Mm-hmm. And that was to keep other companies from coming into the space and, um, you know, being harmful with the brand. And I think one of the cited brands was like Fed, uh, uh, not Feta, Meta, <laughs> uh, Facebook, coming in and doing a metaverse within D&D. And they want to prevent that. But I don't think Hasbro looks at a lot of these other companies as competition. Um, yeah, but they should be looking at it as insight into their customer base. Yeah. Like how their customer or how their community or the audience is responding to what they do and how they operate with these games. Yeah. Like maybe the numbers aren't, you know, a scary thing to them, but they should show you what your like the long term spending habits of your customers are going to be. So yeah. they should be paying attention. Right. And it's just it's one of those things where like, you know, no one is anywhere near their annual revenue in in yeah. publishing and gaming. So it's like, you know, it's weird that they would consider some of these companies their competition. 
Um, because, you know, if it didn't exist, it, it, it would be a footnote in their annual revenue. Yeah. But if this is a part of their company that they want to invest in, yeah. this is what they're going to have to do. Again, like, I tell you, they should have done the Steam model. What's a Steam model? A Steam model. If they were like, hey, listen, you can use all of our tools. We'll be a marketplace for all you want. Oh. You want to have your game on D&D Beyond? We'll do it. Be, okay. You can sell it here. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Tips. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> As um, are you listening? Bank of America has spoken. Um, so what's your what's your big takeaway on the on on the Bofa's uh, Jaded X story? Put <laughs> out. I think it's just another example of a great disconnect between Hasbro and the TTRPG community, yeah. and they do have an opportunity to take to have this space in the market to be just leaps and bounds above everybody else. And I just think that if they don't adjust what they're doing now, I don't think those, unfortunately, I don't think those dollars are going to go into these competitors. I think it's just kind of going to go elsewhere and that'll yeah. just be a huge shame. And if they want to invest in this and break into it and have a strong hold on it, they need to listen to their audience yeah. and their community. Well, hopefully they have more people in the room from Wizards next time when decisions like this are made. Um, but <laughs> We'll see. I don't know. That's... <laughs> um, that's all the news for this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in to 10-Minute Tabletop News. I'm Devin. And I'm Darren. <laughs> uh, and if you like this and you want to support the show, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Total Party Chill. Thanks so much, y'all. See you next week. Oh.